Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been on an earth walk. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the life of Jesus. And as we've entered into chapter 7, Luke is doing something very interest, interesting. He's, he's showing things about Jesus, but he's also showing how Jesus is interacting with different people. And if you remember, just, just think about it. Beginning of Luke 7, he looks at the centurion who has great faith. Last week, we looked at where he looked at the widow, whose son just died, who has no faith. Today, he's going to look at John the Baptist. And this may surprise you, but what we're going to look at today is disappointed faith. Because in your mind, you might be thinking, what? John the Baptist? I mean, he's, he's the prophet. He's the man. He's, he's the guy God is using. He has great faith, doesn't he, George? Well, we're going to see today that he has some doubts. In fact, he has a question, and that's really the question that he's asking Jesus is, are you the one? And we're going to see why he has that disappointed faith. Now, I I think this is going to be a very relevant message for some of you here today because you may be here, you may have been there, I think I've been here, where you trusted God for something and you believed him for something and then it didn't happen. and You're kind of thrown for a loop. And it's like, are you for real, God? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like disappointed faith. And so let's look at the passage. I think it speaks for itself. As we look at the passage, look at what the question is and how Jesus responds. Look with me. Verse 18. Actually, go back to verse 17. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and the surrounding region. Verse 18 now. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? And at that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We're going to look at this passage today. We're going to see several things. First of all, we're going to see the problem. We're going to see the question. And then we're going to see Jesus' response. First of all, let's look at the problem. And the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. What Luke doesn't tell you, but the Gospel of Matthew does, is that this incident takes place while John the Baptist is in prison. 
he had been imprisoned by King Herod because John the Baptist did not like the fact, in fact, he preached against the fact that Herod took his brother Philip's wife to be his own wife. And so he preached against that. He said how wrong that was. And because of his preaching, he ended up in prison. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. It's not like we have prison today here in the United States. It's a terrible place. If he's going to be fed, he's going to have to have people bring food to him. They don't feed him there. And so John is in prison. And the disciples come and they, his disciples come and they communicate to him the reports about Jesus. Now, I want you to see a couple of things about the problem here, because it just helps you to understand something. First of all, God never promises that his followers are going to have a wonderful time here. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't promise you roses. He doesn't promise you that everything's going to work out okay. So I want you to notice the thing. First thing I want you to see is, is he lived his life for God. John's whole life was dedicated to following and worshiping and serving God. He was the forerunner. Do you understand? He was the one who was to come and prepare the way of the Lord. He was the one who was to, that Isaiah had said, would come and, and point to the fact that the Messiah was coming. He knew what his role was. So he lived his life for God. Bottom line. Second thing I want you to see was as he was going through difficult circumstances. Friends, you can't get any more difficult than being thrown in prison. And the reality is, is that you have to understand, he was thrown in prison simply because he disagreed with who the leader was. Now, I want you to think about that. The next time you complain about who's in charge, if you want to complain about the governor, if you want to complain about the president, and, and you're all upset, be thankful you live where you live, because in this culture you could get thrown in jail, in prison. And that's the reality of what's going on here. He's going through difficult circumstances. Let's just stop for a moment. I want you to realize something. If God does not exempt his servants from going through difficult circumstances, why do we have this concept that he should exempt us from it? Do you understand what I'm saying? If God is not willing to spare John the Baptist problems, why do he have this concept that he should spare us from problems? Do you understand? So here's John. He's going through some difficult circumstances. And then finally, I want you to see what the point is here. The point is, is that his hopes were not fulfilled. John, just like everyone else there, had a concept that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to set everything right. In fact, remember, he even proclaimed who the Messiah is. He said, Behold the Lamb. He pointed to Jesus. When Jesus came to be baptized, John said, You know what? You should be baptizing me. So he had hopes for who the Messiah is. And the fact of the matter is, is his hopes weren't fulfilled. Let's just stop for a moment. Can you relate to him? Can, can you relate? Jesus, I, I've trusted you. Jesus, I'm, I'm serving you. But you seem to go through the difficult circumstances. The problems happen. And it's almost like, like a one-two punch. You go through one problem and boom, you get hit from the other side. And then when you're down, somebody kicks you. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the reality is, the hopes 
I mean, you're desperate. You're like, you're like the psalmist in the psalm. Lord, you're the only one. But your hopes don't seem to be fulfilled. That's where John is. See, I think it's, I think it's interesting. You know, God, boy, the Bible is so relevant to us, isn't it? Here, here it is. If, if we were just talking about a Joe Schmo and his hopes weren't fulfilled, you, you, you might get, it might get your attention. But when you talk about John the Baptist being disappointed, that should get all of our attention because if he gets disappointed, it's okay for me to get disappointed, isn't it? So that then launches into a question. So we see that in verse 19 and, and 20. John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Here's a couple of things I want you to see about the question. He questions who Jesus is. The very heart of the question is, John, is, is his hopes are dashed, he's wrestling here, and he's got a preconceived notion of what the Messiah is. The Messiah was supposed to come, overthrow the Romans, set everything right, and rule. And here he is, he's sitting in jail, facing death. Do you understand? He's facing death. He doesn't know when he's going to die. And, 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 and the preconceived notions that he had about God and about Jesus, he's, they're not necessarily being fulfilled. And so he's, he's really questioning who Jesus is. It's real, folks. Doubts are real. They're not necessarily wrong. It's real. Because you may have a preconceived notion about how God should be working in your life. And when He doesn't do that, let me be honest with you. I can be honest with myself. I know this has happened with me. You begin to wonder, man, huh, are you for real, God? Because I thought you would do this. I thought you would do this. And you didn't do it. You know, I, I've said this before. We live more by cliches than we do by the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We live more by the cliches we hear on Christian radio or what we read than by God's Word. And that's true for a pastor, because I remember when I pastored my first church, I remember guys telling me, if you have a missions-minded church, God will bless your church. So we were a missions-minded church, but I didn't see the blessing. Or, or you take a statement from a great saint like Hudson Taylor who says, God's will done God's way never lacks God's supply. So we did God's will His way, and we were sure wanting. And you get disappointed and you begin to question. But the reality was is we were living by cliches rather than by His Word. Do you understand what I'm saying? So John's sitting here. He's got a question. He says... You guys go down to him and ask him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? He's questioning who Jesus is. The second thing I want you to see there is this. The temptation is to look somewhere else. The temptation that John is facing here is, okay, Jesus is not doing what I think he should be doing. Maybe, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe... Maybe he's not the lamb. Maybe, 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 maybe there's somebody else because, man, look at, look at the circumstances I'm in. If he was it, man, he would be, it, things would be different. There's a temptation to look somewhere else. And folks, we do it every day, don't we? God, I need your help. God, I need your help. 
God, I need your help. God, I need you to do this. And it doesn't happen. And they're like, okay, plan B. Bubba, I need your help. Bubba, I need you to give me 20 bucks. Bubba, I need your... You, you see what I'm saying? We, we immediately look for somebody else. When Jesus doesn't come through, we look for somebody else to help us. Am I the only one who... I mean, this is relevant to me because that's the way I operate. Is, am I the only one who operates that? How many of you operate that way? Let's be honest, don't we, huh? Okay. I mean, John the Baptist, we can relate to him, can't we? This is the reality of what's going on here, is that the temptation is to look somewhere else. But I want you to notice the response. Jesus doesn't answer the question directly. When you look at verses 21 through 23, he doesn't say, yes, I'm the one. Don't bother looking somewhere else. You notice he doesn't say that. Here's what he says. Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Here's, here's, what, he, here's what Jesus is saying. First of all, he's saying to them, see what God is doing. You go back to John and you tell him what you see God doing. In fact, if you go, go back, it's, and it's interesting, Luke wants us to understand something. The very hour, I mean, at the time when they come, now you have to understand it's not like they got an immediate audience because you know there's going to be a throng around him. There's going to be a multitude. There's going to be a whole bunch of people there. So it's not like, oh, Jesus, there's two messengers from John. So they're going to be walking up on the crowd, and the crowd, when they're there, they're going to be bringing to Jesus the sick, the lame, the demon-possessed, the blind, and Jesus is healing them all. We already know that from the passages before. He heals them all. So they're watching all of this. So they come up to him and they say, John sent us with a message. He says, are you the one? Are you the coming one or should we look for another? Jesus says, you go back and tell him what you saw. You go back and see what God is doing. You go back and tell him to see what God is doing. See, folks, that's, there's something for you and I. When you and I go through disappointed faith, we need to, you know what happens when you get disappointed faith? You put the blinders on. You know what I mean by that? When you, you, you drive by these Amish buggies, you notice the horse, he's got a blinder on. So he can't see your car or truck or whatever it is that's passing him in the no passing zone. Because they want him to look forward, not worry about you. And that's what happens. We got the blinders on, except it's, it's kind of like a tunnel vision thing, you know. All we see is our disappointment. All we see is our, our problem. And you know what? All you guys just disappeared. And all I see is my little problem. The way to get over the disappointment is to look beyond yourself and see what God is doing. Folks, can I be honest with you? God's doing something here. And you just got to look for it. You just got to interact with people. And they'll say, this is what God's doing in my life. This is what God did. This is how God provided for me. This is what God... you got to see what God is doing. He's saying to John, John... Go back to John and tell him what you see. That's the first thing he tells him. That's the first response. The, the other thing he says is this. He does not promise to alleviate our pain. 
Now, now some of you are saying, whoa, okay, that's a great point, but where do you get that? I mean, look, look at verse 22. Where does he say that? He says, go and tell John the things you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Where do you get that he doesn't promise to alleviate our pain? Well, here's how you get it. Jesus is quoting Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. When he says this statement to them, he is quoting Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. So if you want to turn there with me, Isaiah, and I'm going to read it to you. And then I want you to pick out for me what Jesus left out. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them the beauty of ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Folks, what's he missing here in this quote? You want me to tell you what it is? Look at the last part of verse 1. Jesus, when he says to them, go and tell them what you see, he's, he quotes Isaiah here, and here's what he forgets to quote. They proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What's he saying to John? John, I'm the one, but you're going to stay there. See, he doesn't promise to take away our pain. See, John, when he would hear the message from Jesus, would immediately know Isaiah. Because Isaiah is the one who proclaimed that John would be coming. And this is a messianic passage that Jesus is sharing. But the part of the messianic passage that Jesus leaves off is the part where he says, I set the captives free. Where's John right now, folks? In prison. See, here's the thing we've got to understand, folks. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's why we get disappointed. Because we have a wrong concept of Jesus. We have a wrong concept of what Jesus should be doing in our lives. We've bought into this lie that everything should be hunky-dory for us as Christians. And Jesus is saying, I'm the one. Look at what God is doing through me. But I don't promise to alleviate your pain. Not here. Not now. There will be a time when every tear will be wiped away. There will be a time when there will be healing. There will be a time when there will be joy unspeakable. But it's not right now. It's not right now in the midst of what you're going through. See, my friends, we get disappointed with God because we get wrong concepts of who God is. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is where John is at. John has a wrong concept of Jesus. And Jesus says, go back and tell him, I'm the one. See what God is doing. But I don't promise to alleviate your pain. That's hard for us, isn't it? Some of you here, you may have a hard time with that because in your mind, 
It should be wonderful. Isn't that what the guy on TV said? But he doesn't promise that. In fact, there's one other thing he says is this. He calls us to accept them for who he is. Verse 23, can I be honest with you, is a statement for us, but I think it's a statement for John the Baptist. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What's he talking about here? He's saying, go tell John this. Go tell John. See what God is doing. And he quotes Isaiah. He leads off that part. And then he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. It's basically saying, John... Blessed are you if you just hold fast, even in the midst of your difficulty, even though it's, I'm not doing what you expect me to do. If you just hold fast to who I am, blessed are you. Folks, here's what it is. Blessed are you if you're not offended at Jesus because he doesn't do what you think he should be doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Blessed are you because you accept Jesus even if he doesn't do everything you tell him to do. Because he's still God. In fact, listen to me. That is the mindset. Remember the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We tell it to our kids, you know, you know, about them being thrown in the fiery furnace and stuff. But listen, it is the attitude that they had. Remember they, they were standing before King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you guys don't bow down, we're going to throw you in the fire. And, and, you know, and it's like, here's what they said. Oh, king, we will not bow down to your image. And our God can deliver us. But if not, we will still not bow down to your image. See, that was the attitude they had. They knew that God was God. And that God could do it. But even if he didn't do it, they still wouldn't do what was wrong. See, that's the attitude Jesus is saying. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What is he saying here? What was it about him that would be offensive? The fact that he doesn't fulfill the things that we think he should be doing. You see the message to John? Do you see the message to you? God doesn't do everything the way we want him to do. Isn't that true? But that does not make him any less God. We still need to trust him and obey Him, even though He doesn't do the things we want Him to do. We have to put our faith in Him. Let me give you some thoughts. How do we, how do we apply this passage? How do, we, how, do we, how do we deal with this passage and bring it to where we are? Number one is a question. Are you struggling with doubt? Are you wrestling right now? Are, are you questioning like, like him? As, is he the one or should I be looking for someone else? Are you teetering on that point of saying, you know, this Christianity thing, hey, you know what, I thought things were supposed to be wonderful. Isn't that what somebody told me when I trusted Jesus, that everything would be great from here on out, and it seems like it just gets worse? 
First of all, if you lead somebody to Jesus, don't tell them everything's going to be great from here on out. Because it does get worse. Are you struggling with doubts? First of all, the doubting is not wrong. Some of you will say, yeah, I'm doubting, but isn't that wrong? No, it isn't wrong, my friend. Don't ever take it as wrong. It's not wrong to doubt. It's not wrong to wrestle. I wrestle sometimes. You know, I've been a believer now 26 years. Almost 26 years now. And and I'm going to be honest with you. There are times when I've shaken my head and wondered, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? Everybody can see that this needs to happen and you're doing this. God! Doubts are natural. And maybe you're here today and you're disappointed because you wanted Him to do something and He didn't do it. And so you're questioning, is God really real? Is He really there for me? Are you wrestling with doubts? Here's the next thing. Do you need reassurance? See, here's what's going on with John. He needs reassurance. Sometimes you can be disappointed. And disappointment's okay, folks. It's natural. If you don't get disappointed sometimes, i got some questions about you. You know, these people who say to me, how's your day going? Super! Get real. Nobody's day's super. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Come on. We all need reassurance, don't we? You need reassurance in your walk. Because look, folks, there are times, I can tell you about a year in my life that I refer to as the dark night of my soul. It was right before I came here. It was the year before I came here. I, I really wrestled with God in that whole year. God, are you putting me on the shelf? God, are you not wanting to do something with me? God, are you even there? Do you even care? And it was silence from heaven. It was the dark night of my soul. And talk about I needed some reassurance, folks. We need reassurance. Is that where you're at? You need someone to come alongside you? You need Jesus to come alongside of you and love you and say, yeah, you just keep holding on. You keep pressing on. You keep trusting in me, even in spite of the circumstances. Do you need reassurance? And then here's the other thought. Accept Jesus for who He is. Folks, He is God. Whether He does what He want Him to do or not. I shared this this morning at Sunday school. I was reading through the Psalms. Psalm 29.10 The Lord sat on the throne in the midst of the flood. Even when the whole world was in calamity and upside down, and the devastation was taking place, he was still sovereign, he was still in control, he was still God. My friends, he may not do exactly what you want, when you want it, but he's still God, he's still Jesus, he's still in control. That's reality. He's in control. Cling to your faith, even though you're disappointed. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.